I'm Gary O'Reilly. And I'm Chuck Nice. And this, of course, is Playing, Playing with, with Science. Science. And today we're back in the swing. Yes, we are. It's golf. Yes. And Dr. Craig Davis, performance optimizer. Yes, yes, absolutely. So we're here talking with Dr. Craig Davis, performance optimizer. Yes, and golf coach Sean Foley. Man. Listen, here we are in the Hamptons, no less. I Indeed. say, yes, yes. for the US Open Golf Tournament. That's and right. uh, if you think it's quite simple, ball on a tee, swing and hit, good walk ruined, or whichever view you have, um, we might just be able to uh, change your minds because they are two incredibly interesting people. Two of the leading components that you will not hear a great deal about. Right. Because they are behind the scenes, but the golfers themselves depend so heavily. And there's one calling. That's right now. That's, could be Tiger. That's, that is Tiger saying, yes. please, I need these two guys. So I need them important. desperately. So this is how important they actually are. Dr. Craig Davis, who is a golf performance improver. Or optimizer. Optimi I like optimizer. Yeah, absolutely. And of course... Golf coach, Sean Foley. Absolutely. Gentlemen, how are you? Yes. Good. Thanks Thank for having us. Hey, yeah. thanks for joining Pleasure. us. Fantastic. Yeah. Absolutely. So, how many times have you been to the US Open between the pair of you now? 20-something probably. Yeah, it's been, it's been uh, we were very young when we got out there originally, but it's been every year for me since 2007. Wow. So, 11 years. Nice. Biggest change. Yeah, I think the... I think the, the field's gotten a lot younger. Yeah, that's the big thing. The field's gotten a lot younger, and the field has gotten a lot longer. Um, the, the, these guys are, you know, you get these young kids coming out. It's mm -hmm. not all of them, but you see a lot of them, like 6'2", 195. Right. Um, so physical specimens well, as yeah. opposed to just what just, used to be. Just athletes playing golf. Athletes. Sooner? Well, it's they're maturing sooner physically as well as in their game? There's Before, you used to have a lot of people who were golfers. Yes. Right. And now you're having a lot of people who are athletes that golf. And uh, so it's a, it's a very, I think a, there's a difference now in the, the person, the individual who's playing this sport. You know, before, I think historically you'd have a lot of people who are playing golf who didn't play other sports. And now you have a lot of people who are great in other sports who are playing golf because it's kind of cool now to play golf. Yeah. Well, and you see that with uh, many other major league athletes from different sports, what yeah. they all love to do. Everybody wants to be a great golfer, yeah. you know, no matter who it is. But before we go any further, why don't we just get from both of you kind of a breakdown of what it is that you do with a player and what it is that you're looking for in terms of metrics to improve a player. And just to add to an extra dimension to that, there are 101 and more golf coaches. What makes you so unique in this particular field? Sorry, no, no, that's perfect. Yeah, you know, it's a good point because there is a lot of people who do both what I do and what Sean does. Uh, I think the difference is not too many of them have spent the time analyzing all the components that go into being a great professional in our fields. All right. You know, so I've been fortunate to have a roommate out on this tour since I started who is one of the preeminent golf coaches, but also one of the preeminent minds in golf, not just about the golf swing. So how Sean looks at performance is very unique uh, compared to other coaches and very holistic. So that's a great influence that I've been able to have that no one else has been able to have. You know, I've spent 
more nights on the road with Sean than I get to spend at home with my wife. So it's a very unique relationship. You must like each other, I think. I, we've yeah. never had a single argument. Not, no, absolutely not. Yeah. Yeah, that's incredible. Well, that's more than I can say for me and my wife. So <laughs> good for you. <laughs> so, you know, that's, that's a massive advantage that I've had. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and then from there, I've just been fortunate to have a passion to follow the body and, and where the body is in all aspects of science and quasi-science, you know, like around right. what people can study. So looking at how the body moves, both from a micro level and a macro level, looking at the energetics of the body, um, how do we optimize uh, the geometry and physics of the swing by, by tweaking how the body is able to move. So hmm. you're improving the game by not doing anything about the game. Yeah. You're going to the genesis of it all, the body. Ab absolutely, I'm trying to create an environment that allows Sean to have an easier job to uh, allow his players to give the physical essence of the golf swing. So can you give us kind of, um, you know, uh, because our listeners, of course, love the science yeah. and the sports. Yeah. And that's what both of you guys are, especially together. So can you give us kind of a look at the tandem um, effect that you have? Like you said, you may adjust a player's body. I would assume that would mean you mean positioning. Right. And, and, and like, you know, in terms of contorting, mm -hmm. I would say, and then Sean, can you tell us what that does for you and how you respond to that when you're looking at a swing? Well, I, I started out like very intuitive about all of this, uh, like way more creative. And then I met Craig in 2001 and he kind of blew my mind with a couple things that I'd never even really thought about yet. So I was just kind of an intuitive golf coach. I was young, really young, um, and just trying to make a living. But I knew I, knew I was really capable because whether I knew or not what I was doing, I, most people got better. So I knew how to get that. And then as I met Craig, and he started breaking down like physics and kinesiology to me, mm -hmm. then the things that never interest me until I realized that they could benefit what I'm interested in so I started to learn it that way. Um, and so basically, any sports motion, period, um, is about applying force and torque through optimal range of motion. Mm -hmm. So we could measure on force plates uh, and 3D why Messi's, like, low no-spin kick is so effective. Right. Yeah. But people say he's gifted from God. I mean, okay, whatever. That that's that's not to me. That's not really accurate. Okay. Well, for us, science is God. No, I'm joking. <laughs> but but that's. I just had to say that because it sounded really good. You channeled right? your inner Neil. Yeah, didn't you? Did yeah. It just it's like just, yeah. I think I think the word talent and all that and, and the things that we hear like thrown around quite often just comes from like mediocrity being okay with itself is to believe that someone was born just like so much better and and I think that that's. Uh, I, I don't really believe that. So I'm with you on that. You know? that no, that's a very, I'm glad you said that because, and Gary will attest to this because Gary's a former professional player. Okay. So for instance, what was the um, um, free throw percentage we, we found that, um, um, who was it? Steph Curry has an 89% free throw percentage. That's not natural talent. <laughs> no, he's grinded his way to that. Exactly. That's, you well, know. That, that, if you look at it though, right? So, say, and this is kind of what happens with these like super athletes, right? Um, the environment is so massive in the intelligence. So, Steph Curry grows up, his dad's Del Curry. Right. Yes. Okay. Yes. And brother Seth Curry, let's not forget. And, 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 <laughs> and, 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 and Del 
Dell Curry is like close mates with Glenn Rice, right. who can shoot. And Ray Allen is like his uh, mentor. Yeah. So you have three of the best three-point shooters of two generations. And then when your dad is playing in Toronto, you don't leave the court and then you just sit out there with Vince Carter. So I just watched a documentary on Vince Carter that was really funny because it had like Steph when he was like 10 and they couldn't get him off the court. Mm-hmm. So when he went to the McDonald's All-American basketball camp, he was sweating for two hours before they showed up for practice. And everyone was early for practice. Right. Yes. And so that, that's, that's kind of it. So, you know, when you see, when I see what goes into Justin Rose, who's the third ranked player in the world, and this guy coach that Craig's worked with, yeah, okay, at 12 and 13, he showed like a really interesting skill. Mm-hmm. And if that was like a little bit of strength and balance and proprioception and hand-eye coordination, right. then he's a visual learner, so he's watching his heroes. He's going from there. But to see how he's taken himself from, I started with him at 28, he's now 37, to be the best player he's ever been right now at 37, mm-hmm. when all the young guns are coming up mm-hmm. and how much further he's hit it, um, how much better he's got at certain things that were weaknesses, mm-hmm. you see the work. So when someone's like, gosh, he's so talented, it's like, no. Not at all. It, but if right. they're, if they're if going back to... Like if Michael Phelps was talented as a swimmer, yeah. when he came out of the womb, if they chucked him in a pool, he would have done the breaststroke out. I got a feeling he might have, though. And I also think he has gills. <laughs> I got, I'm just I, saying. I, I got a feeling he would have been <laughs> yeah. in the bottom of the pool. Well, like the thing is, when, when, <laughs> when you talk about an athlete... Except for the Nirvana baby on the yes. cover of In Utero. Right. Uh, <laughs> when mind. an athlete goes Never deep... Never mind. Sorry. That's yeah. right. Gotcha. Sorry, man. No, no, no. That's good. Good. So, good catch. Thanks. When an athlete goes deep into their career and shows their best form, that must really please you as a coach because you're thinking, all right, they were good before. The body is beginning a downward slope because that's the way it goes depending on the sort of sport you're involved in. Absolutely. But they're still able to buck that by bringing their best game. So it has to have some – is it just about you beginning to be knowledgeable – about your game and how best, or are there other factors that come into play? So do we know more? Well, with the, with the science... Yes, with exactly. The, well, with the ability to measure it now, right? So I have a bunch of devices. I have a, a 3D unit from KVEST. And, for analytics? Uh, well, you just kind of, it's like, for example, you, you put it on the player, uh-huh. and then you set it, and then they move, and then you can look at the range of motions and the amount of rotation and side bend and all these different things. Yes. And, and a lot of it is the things you're seeing are come so much from effect hmm. that the causes aren't many, right? Principles, there's thousands of styles, but there's only a few principles that matter in the whole deal when right. it comes to almost anything, right? Right. And so I think what happened is that being able to measure force in the ground and 3D and then using uh, a radar like a track man to follow the ball to give me all the information from impact. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that was something that we, you know, I sort of pioneered on the, on the PGA tour. And I remember Sweet. having that track man out there years ago and, and it was like one of the first ones. Yeah. And you know, the next thing it was like 65 to 80 of them. Every, the, every coach now. It's and almost, and mandatory, almost right? every player, right? Yeah. Why shoot a video when I can get really a thumbprint of what happened at impact and then problem solve from that point. Right. You uh, can reverse engineer a swing. You can actually take 
from the point of impact, go backwards but the, but the and But the thing correct, is about right? impact, though, is what, where I've gone in the last couple of years is so much into the loading and the movement of the center of mass uh, on the way back in the backswing, which is kind of a, a linear movement, a rotational movement, right. a vertical movement. You're doing that. And then you, you just, I'm just saying, say someone's not really limited in their movement. Because okay. if they are now, I've got to skin the cat the other way. Okay. But I'm still going to get to what I want because there's other ways, right? Just say no right. cats were hurt during this interview. <laughs> no, sorry. Um, yes. But they but, were delicious. But that's, so that's, that, to me now, it's all about how I'm setting up that moment in transition because as soon as the, the grip and the hands start arcing back down, uh-huh. impact is a thousandth of a second away. So right. once, once it starts coming down even more than that, there, there's not really a torque right. or a force that you can cha- you could do. You're not going to be able to, to change, change anything an angular, at that point. Right. That's going to be more the vertical force and the rotary force creating torque in the body at that point. So if you go back really and look at the greatest ball strikers of all time, uh-huh. you'll see the center mass of the golf club, which is close to the golf head, you'll always see it trailing behind the net force vector from what the hands are doing. So, right. so the hands are twisting upon the shaft mm-hmm. and they're pulling and pushing. So what's been really interesting, especially amongst power, is like we'll hear ground forces. But I seem without a doubt where the center of mass of the golf club comes down based on where the net force is in the hands, right. you're going to see completely different ways that people hit the ground. Cool. And so I think that to me is where golf is now, where we'd never been, is that Sasha McKenzie, who's a physicist and biomech uh, out in uh, Nova Scotia. Okay. All right. Uh, is the person to have like detailed and created the algorithm to show this. And so now all those things, when I was 25, that really worked for me. I now understand why they do. Cool. So when I didn't understand... It was easy to go away from them because I didn't really realize why they were so good. But once you recognize why it's so good, um, I think the goal of a coach, a technique coach in any sport, is you're trying to get your understanding to where you guarantee the person in front of you that you won't harm them. Nice. Because it's not about how much you can help them. It's about how quickly you can harm them in so many ways. Interesting. Oh, so there's a, there's a fear bump. Oh, that you've got to, that you've really got to get over and make them feel... It's okay. It's okay. It's, it, it's, it's psychologically but more it, than anything else. But it's just having enough knowledge to know, like, I've worked with a couple new players lately, and being able to, like, what I really want to see them do, that guy's shoulder can't do that. Gotcha. So you got to find another way. So, so is now, this, is there, this where I was you come, we are. So we're both in the yeah. same place. We're like, so yeah. Craig, now, tell so us. Is no. this you? How do you do yeah. that? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So so this, this, is that when the phone rings? Yeah, so exactly. <laughs> yeah. So you have a, um, a coach will, will say, hey, I have this player. This is the technique. This is the movement I'm trying to achieve. This is where I want the club to be delivered from. And then you have a player who either has a gifted amount of internal external rotation of the hip. You have internal external rotation of the actual shoulder joint. But if they need to squeeze out an extra 10 degrees of shoulder external rotation, you know, kind of what we were talking about before the show, yeah. right. how can you do that if you're not going to get any more out of the actual shoulder joint, the glenohumeral joint? Well, now we can look at how does the scapula, the shoulder blade, how can we change the movement patterns of that shoulder blade in conjunction with how the ribs and the spine are extending and rotating to all of a sudden elicit or just, uh, a 20 to 30 degrees increase in shoulder external rotation without actually changing what's happening at that joint because you've changed the rest of the joints in that chain or sequence. Uh-huh. So, so at the moment, I'm hearing the knee bone is connected to the shin bone. Yeah. And it's basically quite simply, without being rude, Absolutely. 
you kind of go back to, right, if I can't move that particular joint, let me work with the places around it and then ease that out. So maybe yeah. then you, you, you I've pick seen, that I've, area from, other, from some, some other areas. To, I've, oh, I've, seen, I've seen, though, with people with, like, say, a shoulder issue that Craig will focus, like, mainly on their left ankle and, and really work through that area. And that, I mean, it, it's not just so, it's not, it's not just, Seriously, it's not just that, yeah. connected. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, this could be, I mean, this could be connected all the way to the epicenter right. of the universe, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Absolutely, yeah. So based on what you just said, Sean, correct. Yeah. I, so I have a, a friend who basically told me he was working with somebody kind of like you, but yeah. like, you know, on a more personal basis. And he said something about ankle, knee, hip, shoulder. Is, is, there, is that an actual like zigzag connection or there's, there's some kind of connection? There, there's connections that, that go literally. So you, everything, like you said, everything's connected. Our mm. body is made out of a tensegrity model of connective tissue, right? So if you're looking at, we all know connective tissue being, you know, tendons, right? right? It's a very obvious one. The outside uh, component of the bone, the periosteum is continuous with the tendon. It's the same tissue. Right? It is literally the exact same thing. We just call it something different. So geography-wise, we can communicate. Right. It's the same. So the capsule, so the periosteum or the outer covering of the bone continues as the joint capsule, continues then as a tendon, which then spreads out into the connective tissue that goes throughout the entire body, literally from every single cell's DNA out to the skin. It is all connected as one. And that is the model of where our electrons or energy moves through the body. It's where... Uh, movement comes from it's where force transmission comes from everything is connected it's it's so much more than saying you know the ankle and the knee are connected i know man you just went you went down on a microcellular uh level too i asked about ankle knee yeah. and hip and you were just like no nah, brother i gotta break this down on a microcellular level yeah. for you. why 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 do you think i said these are the two secret components of the major golf tours. All right, so we're going to take a break now, um, but we have more golf with Craig Davis and Sean Foley when we get back. If you've enjoyed the first bit, you're going to love what's coming up next. And welcome back to Playing With Science. I'm Gary O'Reilly. And I'm Chuck Knight. And we are still stuck in the rough with Dr. Craig Davis and, of course, golf coach. Sean Foley. We are talking about the sort of tactile issue of I need to loosen up this muscle so therefore I can massage that into, let me very basic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're talking on a microcellular level where we are playing with electricity, voltage. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, if we're looking, so you know, if you go back to Eastern medicine, they talked about chi or energy moving through meridians. Yes. yes. Right? Yes. So we've now been able to um, look at the body and say, okay, the connective tissue, which is made out of collagen, Mm-hmm. That is where our electrons move through the body. Okay? okay. So if you're sitting on the grass, wet grass, or the edge of the ocean, and you have salt water kind of coming up and lapping at your ankles, mm-hmm. you are taking energy from the ground, right? Which was put there by lightning strikes. Right. right? Put okay. into the ground and goes into your skin, up through the connective tissue, up through your entire body, and literally powers your body, right? Each cell. So now, it, now, now mind you, yeah. right now, you gotta you gotta understand our audience. Yeah. And so I'm gonna there's guys right now and women sitting listening and they're just going, 
hey, Shirley MacLaine, yeah, yeah. keep your chakra stuff to yourself. Yeah, yeah. We want some science. What are you talking about? Perfect. So, so go on. So I just want to let you know, that's, yeah, yeah. What, that's what's being thought right now. You may well have heard that before. <laughs> yeah. no, so, so they've shown, it's, it's not even you know, woohoo stuff that the connective tissue is literally where the energy, the electron transportation takes place. That's okay. what shown. Mm -hmm. cool. There's people out of MIT who are studying how our collagen works um, to build faster microchips because they've shown that the energy goes through our cells at like 10,000, uh, I think I can't remember, it's 10,000 feet a second or 10,000 meters per second, but mm -hmm. either way, incredibly fast. It's 10 times faster than the faster, fastest microchips they have now. Our bodies are an incredible um, conductor of electricity in essence, right? So what happens, we are no longer getting energy the same way we did a thousand years ago. Our food, obviously, as we all know, is way less in terms of quality of food, right? If you take an apple now and it's grown GMO'd, it's sprayed with chemicals, it's grown in crappy soil that doesn't have the nutrient value, that apple isn't as nutrient dense as it once was. That's our water, why I like right? it. Yeah. Behind. Our water. It reminds me of alcohol. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, please carry on. Yeah, carry on. Okay. But our water's the same, right? Our water right. is not as clean, it's not as fresh, it's not as charged as it once was. Okay. Drinking. I mean, I was just in the city in, in New York on the weekend and I was sitting on the steps and I was looking around and wondering how many people in front of me have not actually touched the ground with their feet. In no contact with long. nature, right? Period. Yeah. Period. That is a serious concept, man. Well, that's where Period. we're going. That's, that, that, that's that, that, that is a really serious concept. I have, do you know what? I, have, I don't even know what made you think that, but that... Like you no, no, he told me that. Like that's where we're going. He, yeah, you just saying that honestly just like, jolted me a little yeah. bit. Well, why do you think people feel better when they go on vacation to a sunny beach? It's not because they have rest. They're, they're with the late. same. They're with the same people. They're yeah. with their families, so they're with the people who stress them out. Yeah. They're touching <laughs> okay? barefoot. You know what I mean? They can't leave work now because they got sand. that. Yeah, and they think it's the sound of the waves, and it's just they're just sitting in electrical grid, and charged, and their bodies charging them, healing. Interesting. Very interesting. So, okay. Ground charge, barefoot, touching nature. Every every piece of nature has a magnetic field we interact with, right? But we don't have nature around us anymore, so we're losing that connection. We're losing the energy from the, the ground because we're not touching with our bare skin. Most people never touch nature, as Sean just said. We're eating crappy food. We have water that's got low pH, and all pHs is an energy level, right? So if you have a pH of five, that's acidic. Okay. We're inactive. Yeah, it means it has less energy. Less energy in the body means that you can't hold as much um, gas. We know that a charged Oh, you fluid, don't know me very well, Craig. Yeah, but a charged <laughs> fluid holds more oxygen, right? If yes. our bodies aren't charged, we can't hold more oxygen. Right. And that's when chronic disease starts coming in. That's when our bodies start breaking down. So when we work with our athletes who are constantly degrading their bodies from doing such a high-velocity, high-force movement, right. if we don't give them an environment where their bodies can heal, they're not going to heal. And that's so now, have, have you seen from what you've done? Yeah. Have you seen increased oxygenation or oxygen intake on a cellular level or if you're able to measure that? Yeah. And secondly, based on what you just said, what kind of performance metrics have you seen in terms of improvement? Yes. Right? Do you have quantifiable yeah. Yeah. So uh, you can data use, on that? You can use different things. So you can use... Um, you know, items like Omega Wave and different other heart rate variability monitors where you're looking at what's happening to the heart and the variability in the beats of the heart and mm -hmm. other parameters that that measures. You can actually measure using uh, different de devices like tenants device where you can measure the voltage or the impedance of the body that that changes dramatically um, when you're getting in a more charged environment. And by environment, I'm talking all those things, water, food, mm -hmm. um, right. everything else. And then you look at the tissue quality and the tissue quality changes dramatically 
and heal so much faster when you're in that kind of environment hmm. because you're changing how the body can act as a tensegrity model. You know, you talk about overuse injuries. The reason you get overuse injuries is because you've changed the stress and how it goes through the body, which changes tensegrity. Which, when you look at major golf tournaments, you are playing for two to three hours? Six hours sometimes. Right. And then yeah. you're going to do that again the next day. And if you go deep into the tournament, you're going to play three rounds? Four rounds. Four rounds. Thank you. Yeah. For, for you, play if, four, you play four rounds, play 72 holes. Right. It's typically around this time of the year. Uh, it gets mm. to about 100 every day. So you've got right? re- you've got recovery it, issues. That's, you've that's, got uh, repetitive. You have neural fatigue. It, it, yes. So maybe because every, every hole is a vacation, right? Every hole is a, is stress. Yeah. Every mm. single shot is stress. And the thing is, stress is like I, people need to understand, right? Like stress doesn't need to be like when we think of stress, we always think of negative, right? Right. Right. But it's stress is just just the activity and productivity of the brain. So it's, if, if, so a guy's sitting there and he's playing around 18 holes and say we're at Shinnecock Hills, there's a lot of decisions that need to be made four or five hours. Mm. Like it's all a decision. Be, yeah. When they go semi-clear and then just become the athlete, they've done, they've gone from, I like to call it like going from Einstein to Picasso. Like I do this simply with like my young kids just to kind of teach them a process. I don't necessarily believe in routines because I know a lot of people are the greatest who actually couldn't even tell you what their routine was. They were just really effective. Yeah. And the thing is, if a routine is so helpful, then how come every time I do the exact same routine, I have completely different results. So that, and that's, you could look at any sport like that. So the NBA is full of guys who are shooting terrible at the free throw line who have really articulate 10 second routines. Yes. So when, when you start it, once Mm. again, if you're going outside in, then you're probably always going to be flawed in your understanding. But when you're looking at like where this all started, this used with, with Craig, that used to be like ART treatment, you know, and then went down the hole more with this. So at first Mm. it was like, you know, guys adjusting backs, then going into tissue expertise, then going nutrition, then going to training. So I've, I've watched what he just said there. I've literally watched it from next to him happen for all those years. Mm-hmm. And it couldn't, you know, he, Craig could be listening to uh, someone like Dr. DeGrasse and start to dial that into how he's seeing what he's seeing. And so you, you see the evolution of the professional, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. And you see the treatments get better. And then the, the best part is having my, my own issues. Um, is As they progress in their understanding how to treat the body, uh, the treatments happen faster. And it's, it's just really... So you can... The, I mean, so you, I, I understand the science world. evidence of sitting there thinking, right, I've given this player, this golfer to Craig, and he's come back to me with this enhancement and you're able to do these things and you've seen this on a number of occasions. Yeah, or just he gave someone the ability to have a 10-year career. Wow, like where they, right. would, they would just be, they were not designed mm. to like bend over and turn fast. And so right. it's keeping them in the game. Like no one's, no, one's de- no one's designed to be a scrum half and take head-on collisions. No, no, you know? fair enough. Yeah, I get but, that. It's a rugby and then, reference, and then yes. No one's, really, no one's really designed uh, to run 13 kilometers around a Premier League field four days a week, right? Mm-hmm. So it's, there you, go. you know, there's only so many George Best guys who just did it and mm. didn't stretch and smoked at halftime and were the best. Yes. The rest of them are. They were, he was, yes. Yeah. Right. And he did. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, absolutely. I know it's elite athletes. It's the, the, the top of the 1% of elite golfers. Right. But 
for other sports and for non-sport related human beings yeah. like Chuck and myself. Mm-hmm. Is it still applicable? Absolutely. Maybe not teaching us to swing a golf club that we don't want to. But of course. But yeah, what you do, Craig. Absolutely. So looking at literally the energetics of your body yeah. is extremely important to everyone. So I have uh, one of my friends from back home in Canada who's apparently been diagnosed with fibromyalgia. And oh, so she's man. been living with that for the last eight years, pain every day. Terrible, very painful. Yeah. And since she's changed the energetics and where she's getting food, where she's getting water and how she's charging herself, she doesn't have symptoms anymore. So Good every, for her. Yeah. So everybody can do it. And, and it's really just a matter of looking at, okay, what is, what is the way that I can optimize the health and wellness in the performance of my body? Like I look at performance, not just in an athletic sense, yeah. but how can I perform on a day to day basis at the top of my, my peak? What's my peak? I have osteoarthritis in my left ankle and right knee. Ooh. And so that's just come from what I've done. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But some of the things we're doing right now is because I'm 44 at 60, that'll be a problem. It'll be a life problem. And so, you know, Mm. you, you see like a lot of runners who ran their whole life and, and, and it's funny, it's not as healthy as people think it is, but they ran and they ran long distances and long distances. Mm -hmm. And then they quickly get obese in their sixties because they're so broken down in their ankles and their knees that they can't even really exercise now. And it's, it's really, so I think it's, it's, it's term. Um, it, it, it has to do that. And obviously if Craig is able to increase, uh, the ability for the body to heal itself, right. um, you know, it's knocking out thousands of things a day. Yeah, there's that we tons don't of problems know, that right? it answers tons. And by the way, just for those of you who, uh, will not be watching us on, uh, startalkallaccess.com and you're just listening to the podcast. Um, Sean is actually so young looking, he looks nowhere near 44. No. Actually, he's so young looking, he could be black. That's how young looking he is. <laughs> he's, he's sort of actually. It's a long story, but. All right. <laughs> long story. So, so I'm just wondering, when you first get a golfer and you explain what you've explained to us, mm-hmm. is there that moment where they give you the quizzical look and you have a hard sell or just generally coming come through, Sean, you get, I'm in. Well, I'm fortunate that this isn't my first rodeo out here. Okay. And so I have people who tend to come to me who know what I'm yeah. about, right? All right. So and, and, and I yeah. think success has something to do with that too. Like when you have success with one player, yeah. other players say, yo, man, what happened to oh, you? Oh, 100%. Like, no yo, dude, what, what, what's going yeah. on yeah. with you, man? I noticed. Yeah. And then that player says, oh, well, you know, yeah. you must know. And then I think that would, that would make guys probably a lot more um, yeah. uh, amenable to whatever you have to say, yeah. right? When you have a guy who cannot, literally can't play golf mm-hmm. and then comes back and he ends up being the number one ball striker on tour less than a year later, people that's big. That. But, or, pe- but it's also a people, because, you know, it, it's no different than any um, high school cafeteria, right? Like the grown up world is no different and it's people suffocate with comparison. Mm-hmm. So it's like, what's he doing? Why has he been so good? Why is he? Oh, it must be because of that guy. An interesting with. analogy. Yes. Yeah. Right. It's exactly why I hate my brother. Yeah. <laughs> but it, as, it, as, it go, as it goes on, it's like I remember when I was uh, 2013, I was coaching Tiger and Justin Rose and Hunter That would be Tiger Woods, right? Yeah. Okay. And just, just, you know, Tiger had won. Tiger had won like five times in eight weeks. Justin Rose had won the US Open. Hunter Mayhem was top 10 player in the world. Um, 
I mean, I, I would get emails from agents nonstop. And then when I was fired by Tiger in 2014, mm-hmm. I, w- I wouldn't get any emails. So that's, right. that's now you just stay in the game because there's going to always be ups and downs. That's right. what yeah. it is, right? Yeah. That's almost the beauty of it. That's uh-huh. it's almost the, to me, is the most, the, the thing I love about, about adversity, ad, adverse, ad, adversity and going through difficult times is I love it as a challenge just to see how absolutely upbeat I can stay. So I, I like the harder it gets, actually, the more I like it. So in my, I tried to like teach my young kids that I coach that like the climb is, the climb is way more gratifying than the summit. That's where the growth comes. So it's, the, it's actually that sort of lesson of embrace. Oh, well, you embrace. have to. Yeah. You have and then to. see it as something that will be transient, but embrace it, see if what it is, Put it there. Well, we and the just, next time you revisit this sort of phase, you're not broken by it. No, you've, we we just know we know so little. Yeah. Period. Right. <laughs> like we know like so little that there's no use in trying. I, I yeah. love when when players are struggling. You can hear them always saying like, "I'm just trying to figure it out." And I'm like, "How how's that helping you?" Yeah. Figure out what. Right. How much? No, no. Oh, I'm sorry, just. Go ahead, go ahead. If I if a, a golfer comes to you. And they want an advantage. What sort of percentage of their game would they be saying to you, that's what I need? Well, we 10%, have, 5%, 1%? I have the data on that. I, did a, a, I wrote the forward for a book from Dr. Mark Brody, who's a professor at Columbia uh-huh. University. Cool. And so he came up with strokes gained. And so he, he, it, he, it's a long story, but what he basically figured out was, okay, um, I met this guy who I was introduced to as the best putter in golf. And the saying in golf is drive for show, putt, putt for, for dough. There you right? go. Everyone yeah. knows that. Everyone right? knows right? that. Exactly. So we're all shackled by the sayings of forever, right? Right. And so that's just one of those. You just heard it growing up and you're like, oh, right. Of course, yeah. And you never really looked and noticed like, God, the junior golfer who wins every tournament I'm in hits it 60 yards by me. Hmm. Right? So you, yeah. as time goes on, he meets this guy. He, he says, how many times have you won? The, and, and the pro says six. And he's like, well, how does that work? Now he's in the math department at Columbia. Now he's a dean in the, in the business school. So he just starts kind of messing around. And, mm-hmm. and st- stroke gained approach um, came out seven or eight years ago. I remember I saw strokes gain putting and was like, what is that? So said it said like the guy gained 1.5 strokes with All his right. putter. Uh-huh. So in an individual sport, how do you know what's good or bad? Because what we had guys hitting a lot of greens in regulation, mm-hmm. which is, was historically an attribute of a guy making money, right? but right. then lose their card. And Ooh. so you would look at it and someone would say, well, you could So now for the non-golfers, you're going to have to explain that. Because oh, you just said, just, tool, see if you yeah. can just break that down. No, because you said you're seeing guys hitting a lot of greens and then losing their card. But just break it down for people who don't play golf. Right. It, so... <laughs> If he if he looked how's, how has he looked at it was how he saw it was that if you look at Tiger Woods, Jack Nicholas, Annika Sorenstam, uh, Rory McIlroy, mm-hmm. uh, Justin Thomas to an extent right now, Dustin Johnson, uh, Justin Rose, these players who separate themselves in their generation, yeah. but especially Jack and Tiger and Annika, right? That's yeah, next for level. Sure. Yeah, that's for next sure. level is. They were really competent from 175 to 250 yards. Right. So what happened was their skill set and their physical advantage Hmm. gave them the ability to hit a ball further and higher Mm -hmm. and in doing so land it softer and make the golf course shorter. And so it's just that that's the math, right? So if you take the top 10 putters in the world, the average 65th in the world ranking. Mm -hmm. If you take the top 10 hitters, 
So T to green, they're 13. Right. And, and the idea there is when you talk about strokes gained is it's a game of the least number of strokes. Yeah. That's the entire yeah. game in a nutshell. Get in the hole. So if That's I can fun. get in the hole quicker... I win. It and, doesn't make a difference so how, how well I can putt. But that's that, that's yeah. the data though too that really helps. So you know we were taught like be hit your wedges all the time, okay? But if you look from like guys will set out on tour and they'll set out cones at like f- 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, 100 yards, right? And they practice that for like two hours. But then when you look at it as their scoring percentage for the year. It takes the average player on the PGA Tour, uh, I think it was roughly, what was it, uh, 2.52 strokes to get the ball in the hole from 30 yards. Mm -hmm. And from 100 yards, it was 2.7. So what's the use in even practicing 40 to 100? Do you see what I'm saying? Yes. It's it's really not. So one, if you have a 50-yard shot, then Mm. you made a mistake because no one wants that. (laughs) Because what happens when I have less velocity, I don't have the ability to create as much time in the air and spin. So the ball's not going to stop us. So you're restructuring strategy. Oh, hundred percent. And and that's been, that's been, you know, that's been the thing with the science, right? Is that we have the ability now to measure these things. But the problem is, as so many things occur is sometimes the science just becomes part of the method, right? So guys can hear the same things and completely interpret it differently. Hmm. And that's the tricky part. You know, that, that to me is where, Guys will start to use the, the the science, but it becomes a bit pseudo because it matches the method. So we're not into methods; we're yeah. into principles and, You're into and laws. The numbers, the math, well, and making it work. That's and great. Each, and each set of numbers is different for each player. Yeah, absolutely. Because the, as you know, the biomechanically we're all anatomically the same, but very different. Very different. We all have different resonance. And we will take another break. Um, I hope you're enjoying our golf special right now with our really great guests, uh, Dr. Craig Davis and Sean Foley. We'll take that break and we'll be back very, very shortly with more from these two gentlemen. Don't go away. Welcome back. Um, Right, let's get straight to... The last part, sadly, the last part yeah. of this interview with Dr. Craig Davis, who is a performance optimizer. I love <laughs> the idea of that. Yeah. And Sean Foley, who is a golf coach. But really, golf coach, it doesn't do him justice. Not at all. Because he is so, so intense and thoughtful. So, all right, let's pick up where we left off, shall we? So <laughs> something that struck me earlier on. You talked about someone who has uh, only so much capacity for rotation. or yeah. Can someone just turn up and say, you're too bendy. You're far too flexible. Can you be just too loose? Oh, sure. Yeah. A lot of the girls I coach uh, in, in high-level amateur golf and professional golf have massive amounts of hypermobility. Mm. Sometimes these girls have a hard time transferring the energy because there's not really any XL, D-cell kinematically in how they move. And then there can be, because of because of these just massive movements of their joints, they don't seem to stiffen and, and transfer the energy out as much. So it's, it's uh, I know I'm using the wrong words with him staring at me right now. Dude, no, no, he stares like, at everybody. Let me tell no, no, no. let me listen. You, you have no idea we do. what is happening to me right now. Yeah. I am oh. just like sitting here dying because I'm trying my best to be an adult. Yeah, I hear you. <laughs> you failed miserably. But Sean, at least, you at least you're perceptive enough to look at yeah. me. You're like, look at Chuck, he is dying right now. Yeah. 
<laughs> you're getting younger by the second, your mental age. Uh, yeah, you've got to control 100 degrees of motion, right? You have 100 degrees of play yeah. right. versus 20. Right. It's much easier to control 20 degrees right. than figure out where you are in that 100 degrees of motion. Sweet. So when you have hypermobility, there's mm. a lot more space that you have to own. Because it sounds right. like it should be an advantage. Well, you have to have enough motion. Yeah. Right, right, to do yeah. what you want to do, and you have to own that motion. But if you all of a sudden give a player an extra 30 degrees of overall rotation, they don't own it, now they have way more room to make mistakes. Right. And that's, exactly. and that's very common. Wow, that's what an interesting concept. That's awesome. And, uh, where do we go from here? I mean, you seem to me to be two gentlemen who've combined to make a giant leap forward. And, and I'm guessing from the, just the discussion we've had, you're not the kind of guys to just sit down and say, yeah, we've cracked it you're looking over the hill. You want to see and think about what could potentially be the future. You got any thoughts, yeah. any ideas? Hey, you know, when I just talk about residents, one of the cool things that the last couple of years that's it's made a big difference in my job. So, you know, I get to, to see my players on a daily basis, which is very different than a lot of other therapists or movement coaches. Yes. And so I use a lot of the times when my players aren't injured, we use that as the diagnostics. And when I say not injured, I mean not symptomatically injured. Yeah. As a, as a time to use the diagnostics with our hands and different other tools to figure out where the body's starting to break down without actually being injured yet. And so now we can use things um, like this company like Luminous where we're using electrons and different other natural therapies to increase the healing before the problem actually becomes an injury. So mm. for me... Preventative. Yeah, it's, there's a, yeah. a completely new way now. See, I just use steroids for that. Yeah, well, that's a, that's a good way. And that's a joke. That's, that's, that's another Craig, one. Look at Craig. He's such a doctor. He's so look at him. He was He's like, so well, listen, listen. No, it's a joke. <laughs> yeah. Hey, it works. It does. That's, that's, why, that's why they test for it now. That's right. Like, that's got to because be, I mean, they do work. <laughs> any, anything that's got high repetition in it is going to be putting muscles and tendons and everything into a, into a stressful environment. And at some point you're going to find damage. Well, that's the tensegrity, right? You alter the tensegrity model. There you go. Right? So, and you've got to be thinking, well, look, we'll deal with it when we get there, which is possibly the 80s slash yeah. 90s model for dealing with it. Now, it, everybody's thinking, well, we know it's coming. How do we yeah. prevent that or limit damage? I think, I think though, too, with, like the, with the amount of opiates in pain treatments oh, that gosh. are occurring in all the different sports, it, yeah. it's not even an, it, you better get there before it happens. Yeah. Right. You, you know, you have to, I can get like a 13 or 14 year old kid who's one of the best players in the country. And I'll look at how he moves through the ball and I'll just say, you know what? Um, you need to do this, this, and this. And their parents are like, no, but he's, he's, he's playing really good. And I'm like, he's going to hurt, he's gonna he's hurt gonna, himself. Yeah. He's going to herniate. Gonna, right. How interesting. L3 and L5, no doubt, by the time he's Because you've just preempted my next question. <clears throat> is the key to keeping Craig away from the athlete just great technique? Because if you've got the great technique, you're not going to have to have to have too much interaction. Yeah, I mean, that's... Is, the, is, is, that's not, the, is that no, just that's, too simplified? That's, that's, the, that's, the, that's ultimately the goal. Yeah. But the thing is, is we're not... I think what Craig's done well is he looked at it more as performance rather than treatment. Like a lot of guys on tour are just, they just get treated right? and they like it and they get, you know, it gives them an hour and a half to themselves. And I mean, who, who doesn't want to get treated every day? Yeah. It, it doesn't have to be like a full on treatment, right? They can just flush you. You're in there relaxing. They get an hour and a half with their head down. There's no media. There's no fans. There's no nothing. I mean, all things that they're fine with. Yeah. yeah. 
you know, I get a guy and, and, and I, I started working with a player in um, September, Danny Willett, who won the Masters in 2016. Yeah. And so I did a little due diligence on him and found out that when he came on the tour, he was actually quite long off the tee and he got really short. Hmm. So I knew I could max him out a bit and not be concerned about it. Like I knew that it was in him to be able to do that. Um, and, and that's just based on memory and that's based on the brain and that's based on all the neuropathic way, uh, the, the myelin aspects. It's not gone from him. No, right. He's just developed. He's doing something different now. Different patterns. He's different and patterns. And so we got, I mean, we got 35 yards of carry off the tee in five and a half, six months. And the neck, shoulder, and back pain um, are gone. Wow. Yeah, and see, that's the advantage, right? So when, when I have players who work with Sean, mm. and obviously we communicate all the time, right? Because we stay in the yeah, same yeah, place all the time. Sure. Those players are coming to me using a technique that fits their bodies that decreases the amount of stress to their body versus mm. other coaches who have absolutely no idea. And some of my athletes have worked with coaches who have no clue. Yeah. And those bodies get injured more. And my goal is to get an athlete where they move great and then I act like bumpers in a bowling lane and I just try to keep them in that, mm. right? So I can do that very well with someone who's coming who's using great technique for them. Yeah. When they're not, it's tough to do. So it's interesting. I think back to my playing career and you don't play a game fully fit. No, it's no. how it's how much no. is, is of your Absolutely. fitness is I've actually. Heard, I've heard somebody that, said yeah. that. Uh, so I'm not, so I'm there's not no professional athlete yeah. that completes any season a hundred percent healthy. No, no. unless they're like, I don't care who they are. <laughs> right, <laughs> unless they're on the bench. Yeah. If yeah. they're playing, they're everybody's playing injured. But period. even even if you're on the bench, period, period. Yeah. you're probably carrying something because yeah. you need to be on the bench. And there's no way I say, coach, you got to count me out because I've twisted a sock yeah, or right. I've, I've broken yeah. an eyelash. No, there's no way. You just put yourself in the frame every that was, time. Those were my excuses. No, I know they all were. All the time. Yeah, I know. Just like, my God, I we can't got your profile. this ingrown nail. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, are you kidding me? Hey guys, well, thanks so much. No, man. thank you. It's been unbelievably interesting. Really? Well, thank because you. we've got two people who are working with the elite of the elite. I mean, we do meet elite athletes, but when you get to the, this kind of level of the PGA, to talk to the guys behind them, to talk to the guys that dismantle and rebuild is, is just incredible. Yeah, to see how you think. Yeah, I think the key is is you, you don't want to ever, unless you have to dismantle something because whatever they're doing just causes too much pain. But it's, uh, you know, if, if, you know where to, if you know where to plug in, and how to plug in. If you know how, if you yeah. Know, yeah. It's fine tuning, right? You know right. the plug yeah. in the cord. Yeah, a lot of it is just, a lot of it is that, you know? I mean, these guys, as good as they are, right. and they're such chameleons kinesthetically, if they aim in a poor fashion for three days, it'll totally alter their mechanics. Yeah. Wow. So it's like, you got to be their eyes because when they go out there and they get clear and they're doing their things, like I said, they're... But you, when you're observing the swing of a golfer and you know what it should be, you're dealing with such small details. You know, how do you train your eye to be able to notice such small, you don't know, you just do. Just been doing it since well, I was. Yeah. When you walk into a room, yeah. each of us sees something differently, mm -hmm. right? Mm. So one person might see the curtains, one person sees the type of lights, one person sees the, the type of flooring or the coloring. Yeah. And if you're somebody who sees the color, you shouldn't be the person who's working on the flooring. And so Sean has just been, He's just extremely good at looking at how the body moves, intrinsically understanding that athlete and being able to pick that up in their swing. He's always been good at that. So he's come into something that makes sense for him the way he sees 
the world or, or life or the swing. It just works for him. So the first question you ask yourself every time is what's wrong with this picture or what's right with this picture? Yes. Yeah, Good answer. <laughs> Good answer. I just kind of, I, 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 look, I see, I see everything. I always feel like I'm the, I'm the hyphen in between the E and the R and moderate. So when it comes to everything, I look at it all, religion, politics, you name it. I see it all through the same kind of, like, it's, it's that search for why. Yeah. But it's to really know what it's not. Like, I don't necessarily know what's right, but I totally know, know what's wrong. wrong. There you go. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I yeah. forgot the congressman who said that. I don't know what porn is, but I know it when I see it. <laughs> right, yes. Absolutely. I don't know the definition of it, but I know it when I see it. And that's great. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. And on that note. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> hey, it was, what a pleasure talking to you. Hey, Absolute pleasure. It's thrill. So much, and uh, have a great time. And good the luck. US Open. Yeah, the absolutely. Open. Yeah, yeah. 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 my your guys, uh, they can't all win, but uh, hopefully the guys that you work with uh, are successful. Absolutely. Cheers, man. Pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. So that's our show. Yeah. Um, back in the world of golf, and two incredible guests who, although they're not players, are possibly two of the most or more important people involved in elite golf. And I just love the way Craig Davis has got a handle on these things yeah. and how his mind is opened up to treatment, but how Sean's attitude towards golfers and how he sees things. No wonder he's worked with elite athletes like Tiger Woods and mm -hmm. Justin Rose. I'm sure they're queuing up to uh, get on his list. Absolutely. Holy dynamic duo. They yes. are a great couple. Kind of yeah. like uh, some other people I know. I'll say it. Chuck and I. <laughs> I'm not shy. <laughs> Hope you've enjoyed the show. We look forward to your company very, very soon.